0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 57 of the R Weekly Highlights Podcast. My name is Eric Nance and I'm so delighted that you've been tuning in wherever you are in the world. Um, We greatly appreciate it. This is a unique experience because I am actually recording this live on Twitch. This week's issue was curated by Colin Fay with help from the R Weekly team members and contributors. While I am in a very science-based field, there are a few times that when I'm scoping out a fairly sophisticated analysis tool that touches, say, different R packages, maybe internal and external APIs, and perhaps even some intricate user experience requirements, that there's not just the technical side of building it, there's also an artistic side as well, as I get to flex at least a little creativity muscle, so to speak, tying these things together. But I certainly won't pretend to have any semblance to being a very talented creator of art or in particular generative art. However, Danielle Navarro, computational cognitive scientist and assistant professor at the University of New South Wales in Australia has been one of the leading generative artists in the art community over the last year and has given us a great glimpse into her workflow for creating her recent watercolor series, part of our first highlight for today. Like any talented artist, it all starts with the tools and the creative environment. It may surprise some folks that Danielle is actually hosting her art on GitHub, but that is something that us at R Weekly can certainly relate to. She noticed that in the beginning of her journey with creating generative art, that keeping the actual artwork in the same repository as the website caused much longer build times and deployment times. But with each collection as a separate repository, she can simply link to the relevant collection from that separate repo of the main site. That is similar to the workflow we have at R Weekly, Where each image that you see in the issue is actually hosted in a separate GitHub repository compared to the main site repository. Danielle has also contributed some great tooling that all of us can use in our R Markdown based sites, even if we aren't brilliant artists like her, with her BS4 cards package, an easy way to generate clean and visually pleasing gallery of linked images. The remainder of her posts gives us the mechanics of how she starts from a raw image and proceeds to create something magical all within the confines of R. Starting with her use of the rprojroot package, which does not get as much press as the highly acclaimed here package, although rprojroot is the engine behind the here package. Using rprojroot was beneficial to account for the hybrid directory structure of her blog and the associated collections. The data behind the image is organized in a matrix, and Danielle has written custom functions to account for the different layouts from which the image data appears to be versus the data to be plotted in ggplot2 later on. Next comes the actual art generation, which begins with giving ggplot2 a stripped-down theme to remove unnecessary elements. Creativity begins to take shape, by trying out different geomes to see what resonates with her based on the data of the image. In this case, she settled with the geom point geom with the color aesthetic, but the other ones she tried may have led to unique results if she chose to go in those directions. To make some real magic of the colors, she next utilizes functions already part of the base R installation to translate a hex code into RGB and RSV metrics, opening the possibilities of creating images with more personality. To bring some additional variety, Danielle walks us through the process of introducing noise to the image, which in essence shuffles the position of points with customization around the scale and pattern of the changes, and rather than having a bunch of manual calls to perform the iterative noise transformations, she uses the underappreciated accumulate function from the PER package, something that I will definitely try out in my work. The post concludes with Danielle merging the manipulated color data as well as the noise positioning sets with additional customizations to produce a final product that bears some similarity with the original watercolor, but with its own personality that was all driven by R itself. Well, R and a brilliant artist behind the keyboard. All of the code for the functions is available on their GitHub repo. And now I, along with all of you, have an excellent resource in case I feel adventurous enough to create generative art. And if you can't get enough generative art these days, you'll want to check out a new Twitter bot authored by Kara Thompson, which tweets out a new generative art piece daily, which was built entirely with R and executed with GitHub Actions. We will have a link to that in this episode's show notes. And now, it is time to switch to a time tracking package for our next highlight today. For some, myself included, we often need to summarize the hours spent at our daily work, sometimes in a really granular manner. It's not the most glamorous part of the job, but it is important nonetheless. So if we have to do it anyway, why not do it with our favorite programming language for data science? Thanks to Andrew Collier, data scientist at Fathom Data, we can do just that with the new Clockify package. This package is a wrapper to the Clockify time tracking service online with an API that is used by the package. After a brief setup with the necessary API key, the package has an intuitive interface to the key endpoints of the API, complete with informative logging messages powered by the underappreciated logger package. Everything you would expect to have available in a package like this is here, complete with the ability to track projects with collaborative users in a given workspace and easy ways to obtain durations spent on different tasks and projects. Certainly this is a huge help for keeping more detailed estimates of time spent on projects, although you still will have to have discipline to stick with an approach like this. But I will be checking out this package out more and keep an eye out on future enhancements, as this is certainly fulfilling a big need for a good portion of us that may not always keep track of these details as organized as we'd like the tidyverse has been built upon many solid foundations over the years and arguably the first important piece was the concept of pipeable flows between parameters and functions made possible by the mcgreder package authored by stefan milton bach most are familiar with the basic pipe itself seen prominently in many tidyverse resources but there are also some really handy additional operators that can greatly simplify your workflow. Data scientist Gregory Janesh has shined a spotlight on these additional operators on his blog for our last highlight of today. After a nice summary of the basic pipe, Gregory gives a concise example of how the T-pipe gives you an easy way to produce what may be called a side effect for a given parameter such as a plot, but still keep within a pipeline and not have to exit out to create temporary objects. Next comes an operator that was a head scratcher for me when I first heard about it, and that is the exposition pipe, or some might call it the kaboom pipe. The idea behind this is that if you have a function that doesn't have a data frame argument, you can use this operator to avoid having to prefix the names of variables with the data frame name in your calls to these functions. For example, the general plot function or the core function for producing correlations. Lastly, comes an operator that some view as a little controversial, and that is the assignment pipe. This operator frees you from having to reassign a variable with a new result, and instead can simply call this as if you are automatically reassigning the variable. Now this can be handy, but it could cause some debugging issues if used too much. That's just my opinion, but I can still see the value of this in in certain situations. It is always great to see members of the R community who are users of great packages like MacReader share their perspectives and reveal portions that do not necessarily get discussed as much in the open. I'm sure package authors greatly appreciate these posts as it greatly helps a user base get to know some of the hidden gems of these great packages. And those are your R Weekly Hotlights for today. Colin, in between what appeared to be running a big marathon, has curated a great issue for us, and that has many excellent resources available for you to entertain your R-tastic ways, such as feedback on the updated version of the Geocomputation with R 2nd edition book, tracking download statistics for R packages, and a lighthearted take on the various mistakes you might encounter in your R sessions. And before I go further and wrap up this episode, I want to give a huge shout out to the viewers that are watching, or I should say listening on this stream right now, that have actually been a big help and me assembling the notes for this very uh, podcast recording. And if you are inspired by the great content of our Weekly, we would love to have you join our group. You can find complete details on joining us linked at the top of each issue released on rweekly.org. We welcome all levels of contributions, whether it's highlighting a great blog post that you've seen online giving us a link to a new resource that we can grab automatically in our live feed, or becoming a curator and joining us on assembling all this great content. Well, have a fantastic week, and we will be back with another batch of our weekly highlights next week.